0: Good morning. want to greet you all in Jesus' precious name this morning. Uh, you're going to have to kind of listen to my ramblings this morning. I uh, started writing down and, and uh, the words kind of kept coming to me, so I guess you're going to have to kind of listen how my brain thinks a little bit this morning. So uh, let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, if you just come before you this morning, we thank you, Lord, that you are a great God and that you care for each one of us, Lord. You uh, you don't want us to be alone, but you want us to be together with a church that's functionable and truly alive for you, Lord. You don't want us to, to be dead, but to be strong and to be alive and, and uh, keep pressing on. So, Lord, just ask you would just uh, have your way this morning, Lord. Just ask you would uh, be with the rest of the service, Lord, and be with me as I share, share this, that uh, you can just work through me. We thank you for your love, your guidance. And your Son, Jesus, who died on the cross, gave his life for us, for our sins, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have quite a bit of scripture this morning to look at, and kind of the message, message I guess I have wrote here. uh, What does God want for Emmanuel Christian Fellowship? And I guess I want to look at it, what does he want for... Not just Emmanuel Christian Fellowship, but that's kind of that's what we're part of. That's uh, that's who we are. Uh, that's where each one of you have chose to come this morning. And uh, what what does He truly want for us? And I guess some questions. Uh, there was a lot of messages kind of going through my mind. I listened a little bit this week to uh, Renee Revere. He's, he's having messages up there in Fulton this week, revival meetings, and uh, just I guess a little the thought that I was have. Uh, you take Rene Revere. He was a gang leader. What, what did he do to choose his path? He could have kept going where he was going. But I think for each one of us, what did God speak in our lives? Why did we, why did we change from where we were? And do we want to keep learning more? do we want to sit where we were and become stagnant? So I guess I'll just kind of read down through here. Uh, what, does, what does he want from his people or church? And that's kind of more of a question. Does he want us to be an island by ourselves? I think if we look around, he doesn't. He wants us to be together. There's a verse there that says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He wants us to be together. And then next question, does he want us to be willing to submit to other followers of Christ? I think if we look at that, he does want us to be willing to submit to others. He wants us to be willing to submit to him and to others, the followers of Christ. I'm going to look at, uh, I guess, the next question. What does it mean in, in 2 Timothy 2.22? Let's, uh, let's turn there. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And I guess the question there on the end, the the last part, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, what does he mean by that? Who are those people? Uh, Is it just, just us, we by ourselves, Or is it everyone that's truly following Christ? And I guess that's that's a question I want to have. Are we one of those people that we have a pure heart that we call on them? We don't just uh, think we have it all figured out and that we can be an island alone. But we want to hear what other people say. And then the other question is, Are we willing to submit to them to a certain point? To a certain extent, you can tell me what to do, but there's a certain point that I will not allow you to cross over in my life. That is my territory. That is my rights. And if we ask them to do that, sometimes you hear the comment, you're ruining my life. God doesn't say that in the Bible. I have heard that numerous times. So God don't say you need to do this in the Bible. Yes, in such words he may not. But what is the attitude behind it? And the next question I have, if you do say that, where does that attitude come from? Uh, I guess just a question kind of it, it sounds really humble, doesn't it? If you say that? Well, God doesn't say that. No, I don't I don't think that's really humble. That's not an attitude. It's not an attitude of gratitude like some people say. It's not being thankful for what God has done in your life and say, Lord, I will follow you to the end of, his, end of wherever you call me to. We need to be rooted and grounded in God's word. And then I had mentioned it says, what is our rights? I mean, what, what do we think? I mean, what rights do we have? And what are we called to submit to? And you also hear the other thing where people say, well, all that matters is Jesus. Don't don't tell me anything else. And I want to turn to Isaiah fifty three two through nine, and just look at that. Do we? Uh, did Jesus have rights? No. Let's read, yeah, Isaiah fifty three, two through nine. Says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He is despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried out, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before her shears. Is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison from and judgment from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit. In his mouth. And as I looked at that, it says he was brought as a lamb. As a lamb to the slaughter. Jesus, we would say he he did, I guess I would kind of look at it as he did have, he would have had rights if any of us have rights. He was a man of God. But he was willing to give his life so we can have life and have it more abundantly. There was no other way that we could come to Christ. Through, to God, but through him. Whenever we say, or whenever we draw a line and say, we will submit until, until here, and I, I want to just give it, I mean, you can put that in there. You know what's each one of your hearts. I will submit to the church, or I will submit to other churches. There's a line there that we won't cross over. We can't go that far. And I don't know how many of you have ever read this here book, God and Uncle Dale. I just read it recently. And I guess I just was looking at this. This book is a a young man's journey to following the Lord. He was following the Lord, and uh, it was in his teenage years. And he had met a young girl by the name of Sheila. And they were engaged. And God was taking places, Dale. God was leading Dale to a more conservative thinking than what the church he was attending. And she had told him, she had, uh, she had told him, I'll just, I'll just read this here. She said, if you would be willing to promise me that you won't start wearing a plain suit and that you'll never ask me to wear a cape dress, I'll marry you and try to be the best wife for you that I possibly can. And I guess the question I had when I was reading this story, do we do that to God? Will we? Uh, do we tell him that we will try to be the best Christian we can be for him? We will try to, We will. we will witness where we can. We will do everything. Just don't. Don't go in that dark room. Just leave that alone. And that's, I guess, my question. Everyone knows in their heart if they do have a place there that they don't want to go or if they have a place that they say, I will submit as long as it's not to that. And then I'm also going to look at, uh, I guess the question is, are we like clay? And I'm going to look at a, Romans nine nineteen through twenty one Romans nine nineteen through twenty one says thou wilt say then unto me why doth he yet Find fault for who hath resisted his will nay but a man who art thou reply that replies against god shall the thing formed say to him that formed it why hast thou 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 made me thus hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another one unto dishonor as i was looking at that are we in tune with creator if god is shaping us are we willing to let him shape us? Are we willing as a, as a Christian brotherhood to be willing to shape to become more like the creator? Or do we want to be like that island, set apart, just us? We have it together. We're going to figure it out. We don't need help. The other thing I want to do, we want to be accountable. And let's look at Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen. Some of you could probably read that off by heart. I can do part of it or by memory. And that's good. I challenged my children this morning. I said, you need to look at your verse. You need to memorize your verse. Because I said, we struggle. Sometimes we get older, we can't retain it. So do it while you're young. Do it while you're old, too, I should say. Don't stop. Proverbs 27, 17. Aaron sharpeneth Aaron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. What does it mean there? Do we want to be accountable? Do we want to be sharpened? Do we want to be uh, alive and warmed by other fellowshipping churches, other, other fellowshipping people? Are we willing to submit to them so we can be accountable to each other? Then Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 through 12. says, 2 are better than 1 because they have a, a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the 1 will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if 2 lie together, then they have heat, but how can 1 be warm alone? And if 1 prevail against him, 2 shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." So as we look at that, uh, I guess I would tend to think that it is it is a group. It's a it's a group working together of helping one another. The way when one falls, or if one sees another one starting to fall, that he warns him and calls it out. And then also, uh, four thirteen. This is kind of as, as admonishment. Or are we willing? says, better is a poor and wise child than an old and a foolish king who will no more be admonished. Are we willing to humble ourselves and be admonished one to another? Be willing to take off someone says, uh, brother, so-and-so, do you really think this is where you want to go? Are we willing to be admonished? Are we willing to take that and and thank them for it? Then Proverbs 24, 6. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. There again we see it's a multitude of counselors, and if I would say it was two or three counselors, it would probably have been just said counselors. But we can see it was a group. It was a multitude. And uh, we see if, if someone's to make war, it takes a lot of people. So I take it. it was, it's. Uh, don't be afraid of getting together with a multitude of people to make decisions. And then Proverbs uh, 24.3, and I would say for us as a church, let's be teachable. It says, through wisdom is an house built, and by understanding it is established. So that's through wisdom, be teachable, let us learn together and gain wisdom so we can build the house of Christ. Let's be like-minded and bring glory to God, and that's Romans 15.5-7. Romans 15, and I'll read 5 through 7. It says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So as I looked at that there, it's saying with one mind and one mouth glorify God. And that's, I would take it, is, is a mingling together. It, it's glorifying God. And if we want to be like-minded as a group or as, a, as even agape, we need to bring glory to God. That's our true purpose is to bring glory to God and to be like-minded. There in Philippians 2, 1 through 12. Philippians 2 1 and, 1 and 2 is what I was going to read. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one of mind. As I looked at that, I, I think that's a beautiful picture. If we are going to fulfill God's love, give Him joy. He is going to see us be like minded, working together. And glorifying Him—that's what He wants. With one accord and with one mind, just serving Him. That's—that's that's what I truly think His heart is, and that's, I guess, the challenge. I'm also going to look at Isaiah 48:12 through 19 to see what Jesus' heart is for uh, for the Jews, and also for us today. forty eight twelve through nineteen. Says, Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel, and I think we can put our name in there. Says, Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called. I am he, and I am the first, and I am also the last. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens, when I call unto them they stand up together. All ye, assemble yourselves and hear which among you hath declared these things. The Lord hath loved him. He will do his pleasure on Babylon. His arm shall be on the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken. Yea, I have called him. I have brought him, and he shall shall make his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me. Hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his Spirit hath sent me. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, that teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand, and the offspring of thy boughs like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before thee, before me. And as we look at this here, I think it's not talking about just this generation, but it's talking about future generations. It's talking about thy seed as the sand. And as we look at ever at a sand to figure out how many pebbles there are, there is a lot of sand. And that's what God is saying there. He has been faithful to them. He will continue being faithful if we follow him if we let him lead us where he wants us to go. And also the gravel, if you look at a gravel road, there is lots of little gravels there. And that's also another thing, I mean, says the offspring of our bowels. So our offspring let us keep pressing on and retaining what God has won us to be, what he wants us to do, so our children have a future to keep serving him. But like I said, if you like good reading material, I like this here strictly because it's not just strictly for this, this couple, but I think it's for each one of us. There's a lot of lessons in it of what he had went through and the way God called him moves in mysterious ways. So may God be glorified and God bless.